Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Angel Deer is a medicine man and offers his work on sacred land through shamanic healing, energy healing, sound healing, breath work, plant medicine, and workshops and events. The Sanctuary is a community for all those who seek healing transformation, ancient wisdom, and a place to come together to create a new way of living and relating. This is the Sanctuary Podcast, and this is Angel Deer. Welcome, everyone. It's really a a pleasure uh, to be here, and welcome, Robin. Uh, Thank you for for taking the time to come and share your your wisdom. we do uh, interview regularly of people we really admire and uh, we feel are very aligned with this uh, earth rekindling and reconnection, uh, which has been so, uh, I guess, intense and you know accelerated over the past year, a year and a half through the pandemic and all what is happening in our communities and on this planet. Mm. And... Um, I don't think we ever had that many uh, people reaching out before a talk uh, about a specific talk and saying they were really interested about it and excited about that talk. So, you know, thank you for for joining and thank you to everyone that is here, uh, you know, live or that is going to listen to this recording. So the theme tonight uh, was Green Witch Wisdom, Herbal Medicine and Her Spirit Teachings for Personal social and planetary healing and so for those of you that uh maybe don't know robin uh i'm just going to read her quick bio here but you can find more uh on our website robin rose bennett with two n and two t.com so robin is a storyteller and a writer and an herbalist and she has been offering classic classes sorry in wise women healing ways herbal medicine and her spirit teaching since 1986 at her conferences festivals clinics medical and nursing schools and most joyously outside with the plants like you were just uh, right now and so robin shares uh, herbal medicine with gratitude for the loving generosity of the plants and the magic mystery and beauty of the web of all life She's on the faculty at the New York Open Center and the Arbor Vitae School of Traditional Herbalism and the author of uh, Two Meditation MP3 and the books, Healing Healing Magic, A Green Witch Guidebook to Conscious Living and the Gift of Healing Herbs, Plant Medicine and Home Remedies for a Vibrantly Healthy Life. May it be so. So welcome, Robin. Thank you, Angel. Thank you so much for having me here. And hello to everyone. I see some wonderful old friends I haven't seen in a long time and lots of people I'm just meeting, meeting-ish for the first time. So, hi. So, here we are at the frontier. You know, we are, most of our work here at the sanctuary is on shamanism, which is basically nature-based practices and working with native wisdom. So we are on ancestral Lenape territory. 
Um, and the caretakers, the people that used to live on those land were very connected, obviously, to those land and live very much in harmony with the plants, the trees, the rivers, the mountain, the birds, every living being uh, that was present on this land. And here I'm talking to the green witch. <laughs> I like the term, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and you know, when I was reflecting and preparing this talk, it, it's one of the first things that came to me is that how much we, people that don't know very much about all those themes, shamanism or witch, green witch, things like that, can be a little bit afraid of it. There's a lot of misconception on what is a witch or a wizard or a medicine person. Mm -hmm. And um, so I would love just to start by that question about what is a green witch and who are you, Robin? <laughs> what, what is this about <laughs> witchcraft that makes you, uh, yeah, uh, wearing that title, you know, proudly, I'm sure. And, and what is the essence of this? Mm. Well, um, and, and one thing I just want to say first in response to what you were saying, Angel, is that it's not only the misconceptions that um, brings out fear in people of medicine work or sh shamanic path or witch path. It's also a, a kind of ingrained and trained um, fear of mystery. Mm. So whereas we, you know, dive into mystery with, with awe and joy and excitement, um, there's such a desire in our cultures now to control things that that's like why would you want to do that so so now just answering your your question so the essence the essence of and i i imagine that it does like you have a lineage and i have a lineage and yet there's always that the the way it comes to an individual right is is going to be unique but to me the essence of of green witch wisdom is this being connected to the reality, being connected to reality, being connected to the reality that everything is sentient, that spirit is imminent, not I-M-M-I-N-E-N-T. Editors always correct me when I put that in a piece of writing, but imminent, I-M-M-A-N-E-N-T, meaning that, you know, spirit is in the stone, Right. Spirit is in the moss covering the stone. Spirit is in the mycelium under the under the stone, right? Under the tree. Um, so so the this essential experiential knowing of the life force that connects all of us with everything and everyone. I think that's the essence of it and, and finding the magic um, in that is magic. That is like natural magic. And then green witches can be, you know, artists, gardeners, herbalists. I'm all of these, you know, writer. Um, writing is my first love. And, um, and then I came home. It's like a coming home uh, to being embodied, to being on the earth. Um, so that's a, a little bit of a, hopefully a helpful answer. Yes, it is. It is. And... You know, the more I think about it, and one of the things that comes to me very often is how much uh, suppression there has been of that knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, women were persecuted for, for using plants and, you know, talking to spirits and maybe being seers or being this doula uh, of nature, you know, really helping birthing nature for people and, and reconnecting people to that. And when it comes to native people and their land, there has been the same process of suppression mm -hmm. of that wisdom, of that culture. And I guess we see today so vividly, if we get to take a little bit of altitude, what is the cost, you know, of that separation? Well, it's, it, it's a terrible cost. Um, uh, what I've said for years is, is that what will it, just two things, sorry, many thoughts um, you're trying to go through me at the same time. One is, is that the suppression and the repression is makes sense, quote unquote, makes sense if what you're trying to do is keep people from being free, mm. right? So if we have our own connection and our own innate um, relationship with everything around us and with spirit, um, that leads to a kind of liberation and a kind of lack of being able to be manipulated uh, that's extremely unpopular to the powers that be because they want us to buy whatever they want us to buy, right? And mm -hmm. to, to live small, very small. But um, we are in such an evolutionary time right now. It's, it's really juicy. It's not easy, but it's really creatively um, juicy. And there was something else I was, uh, I think you asked me to respond to, and now I, I'm I need you to remind me. Well, there's definitely, I would say, the suppression on native land, that's for me, and native people and culture, and also mm -hmm. the women, and ah. the suppression of the earth. You know, I, I really see a bridge here, like a common theme of colonizations, you know, effect uh, that well, we, and that's, we that's go part about. Of, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's part of um, what, what makes women um, hesitate to pick up their power. Right, because, mm. or or anyone to pick up their power because the, you know, the story of being squished for that, of being harmed for that, of being killed for that, is uh, powerful inside of us. However, however, there has never been a time where um, nature has been, and we are of course part of nature, but there has never been a time when nature has not been more co-creatively connecting with us and asking us to let nature, the river, the trees help us to come out of this, um, this pathological disconnection. Mm. See, I'm not sure if that's what I started to say that I'd been saying for years, that it's like it leads to pathology, the level of disconnection. Mm. But the thing that I often hear people say that I want to counter is that you know, oh, we're so removed or people are so removed, it's hard to come back. What I found working with people for the past 30 years is it's like the thinnest filament, the thinnest membrane that keeps us from our authentic joy of reconnection. I mean, I didn't grow up in a, in a you know, I didn't grow up camping. I didn't grow up in a spiritual household, right? But when I was shown, when I was introduced um, it was just like, wow, yeah, home. And then I see that it's not just me. And for me, my journey kind of went um, a little differently in the sequence in, in than many other people's perhaps in that I got introduced to spiritual 
traditions and spiritual work long before I became an herbalist or a green witch. I didn't really become a green green witch. I discovered that's what I was. Um, <laughs> yes. Right. And, and of course, we also work with the plants, right? We work with the plants. We um, listen to the plants. I, I, I had to go out because I wanted to pick this little bouquet of wildflowers. I have beautiful flowers from the store here, but I wanted to bring these. So maybe uh, during our time together, I can talk a little bit about, about the magic and the medicine of the particular plants I gathered um, from my wild garden. Um, but yeah, pathological disconnection and, and getting over our fear is something that the plants can so help us with. Um, sitting with them, ingesting them, imbibing them. Um, they're, they're miraculous healers. And, you know, when I think about the shamanic path and the green witch path, I see so many commonalities and have seen this like for years that, you know, we, we work with the elements and this, the medicine wheel, right? The, the, the circle, as all indigenous people do, work with the, the sacred hoop by whatever names. And even if the South in one part of the world is connected with water and in the way I learned it's connected with fire, there's still air, fire, water, and earth below, above, and the center, right? Always. Um, so we share that and we share that our gifts and our strength and our sustenance comes from the land. And when I say the land, <coughs> of course, I mean everything. Yes. The animals on our land, the, the creatures of our land. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I want to come back to that pathological disconnection because to me, it's so obvious today in our society. It's especially more obvious in uh, children you know, that we see having so many symptoms mm -hmm. uh, of, you know, what we call ADD or, you know, we, we have a lot of terms to qualify those children that maybe don't fit into the system and don't find, you know, uh, yeah. uh, that, that joy that you talk about, that liberation there. But I want well, to go, I want to go first to the little Robin, the Robin as a little girl and mm -hmm. try to understand uh, you talk a little bit about your path, but was there a moment, was there a plant, something that one day shifted everything? When we interviewed Matthew Wood three weeks ago, and Matthew remember being with that teacher one day, and he had that connection to an oak tree. And he said that it's, I realized he was a sentient being, he said, you know, and there was something that day that shifted to me it was not just a tree, it didn't have just qualities and specific things that could heal from, but there was a sentient being there. So do you have an experience, something that kind of at some point you were like, oh, this is this is where I need to go. This is this is my past. That's calling me. Something happened there. Well, I don't want to disappoint you, but there really <laughs> wasn't a moment. Um, there was when I look back at like childhood pictures or I remember, where did I love to play best? I love to play climb in the willow tree. I love to play in the oak tree in my backyard. Um, I found a picture of myself at, at two or three years old, and I'm literally here, I'll show it to you because the picture's been lost. Um, 
but I'm literally, I'm three and I run up to the video camera and I do this with a dandelion, right? Three years old. So I'm saying, so some part of me was always there, even though I- Yeah, you were always there. You never left there, basically. Right. But the thing that the plant path has done, has, has, and shifted me radically in is, as I said, I was working in spirit for a long time. I think I always had a sense that I was psychic, that everything was alive, that everything was speaking. Like I didn't find that weird, you know, that, that a tree would talk or a, I, I just, I never did, but I didn't have joy in being alive in a body. I wanted to be out. I wanted to be above. No, life's hard. People are cruel. Um, oh, this world, you know, no, 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 no. And so what the green witch path did was it slowly but surely really gave me back the integration of body and soul, of, of you know, of wholeness, which we all always have, right? Mm. So the, the, the thing about, about the pathological disconnection is it's an illusion. You cannot be disconnected. It's not possible, but we can, right, we can not feel it. Yeah, so that's that's a little bit because here we have probably a lot of people that are feel the connection or maybe are seeking into diving more deeply into that connection. Yeah. So is there a a pathway or how do we reconnect to that mystery, especially if we don't always feel it? Say, well, the tree don't really talk to me or I don't I just see a beautiful dandelion, but, you know, pretty much as far as I can go. How do we dive in that mystery or reopen it, I guess? Right. Well, we open the door, right? Um, mm. I, I am I meant to bring over my journal because I have written recently some haikus that really, really speak to this and, and it's right across the room. But um but um the the thing is you start with a step. The, the thing is you start with any step and, and you know, step one is to desire it to desire to wake up, to desire to open your heart um, or open your mind, right? Or maybe it's somebody you meet, right, that, um, that introduces you to something you didn't um, even ever consider as a possibility. Like when I work with helping people heal with plants, I can tell, you know, and some people come and they've been working with plants or their grandmother did or their grandfather and other people are like stunned when the plants help them heal, right? They just had never thought of it, but somebody told them to tell somebody to call me, blah, 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 you know. So, so the thing is you start with the intention, just as you had written um, on the screen before we gathered, what is your intention for the evening? And the thing that is so essential is to stop. That is the thing that is so essential is to stop. We have to stop, we have to soften, we have to turn off the outside, you know, noise and listen. So there are plants that can help us with that. And of course, we know about, you know, the entheogenic plants, but any plant, the dandelion in your lawn. I I once had a shaman apprenticing with me and when we did a plant ally meditation to choose the ally or be chosen as the case might be in meditation to see what plant is calling you to work with intensely that year and to kind of be your ambassador into the plant world. And when she got dandelion, 
this woman who'd done intensive journeys for years and up in the mountaintops. <laughs> she was so annoyed. She was so annoyed. And she said so, you know, I got dandelion, dandelion, like seriously. And I'll never forget the opening lines to her final project at the end of the year. And she looked at everyone with this humble, sincere, soft and beautiful expression. And she said, dandelion kicked my butt. <laughs> this is what she woke up in me. So a very specific thing that I teach people as I was taught is that you could be drawn to one tree or one plant, maybe just wish you like how it looks or how you feel when you're near it. And you can breathe with that tree or plant. You can send your breath. Um, trees are a little easier for us because they kind of remind us of ourselves, only rooted Right. And if you, if you, everybody listening now, I just want to suggest to you to really, wherever you are, even if you're 10, 20, 30 stories up in a high rise, put your roots in the earth. Put your roots in the earth over and over and over again. They're psychic roots, so they will not hold you down in any way. But what that does, that grounding does, is it allows you to rise. It allows you to send your branches up into the cosmos, right? And to be that, that being between, right, earth and sky and receiving the blessings of all of it. All of that can come from sharing breath with a plant. Why? Because there's also a physiological basis, right? The tree is exhaling oxygen, Right, the tree is exhaling what the tree can't use. Let's say it's an oak tree. Oak trees really saved my life over a period of a few years where I was in deep grief over the loss of my partner. Right, a really sudden loss in my life that was out of the blue. And the oak trees really helped me so, so, so much um, to be in my experience, in my grief, in my however long it was taken, taking but to know that the earth was supporting me, to know that the earth was with me and we can drink oak bark tea, right? We can lean against the oak tree, but the breath, the physiological part is that, that those trees are exhaling what I'm inhaling. And when I exhale my breath and everyone please consciously do this, you know, it's a giveaway to this tree, a giveaway to this plant, whatever it is, a dandelion or your, you know, your prize rose bush. Um, it could be anything. But if you do this like in a figure eight back and forth with a tree, you begin to, the, the plant is always aware of your connection. So it's like we bring ourselves into a degree of awareness that the plant already has, mm -hmm. that nature already has. And we can get better and better at that. This is how we evolved. And, and I like to think of the time we're in as the evolutionary chaos of now, the evolutionary chaos of now, because we need to keep our hearts lifted. Um, like we can visit despair, but we can't live there, right? Things are, some things are really, really hard for, for many people, harder for some than others. But if we stay in that crushed place, then we don't have the, the energy to find our gifts and share them. And that's what we're all here for. Like I, always, I always like to say, you know, tongue in cheek, but it's absolutely the truth. I can tell you why exactly why you're here. I can tell you the secret of life. It's to become who you are.
It's to become who you are. Because, and if you commit yourself and dedicate yourself and devote yourself to becoming who you truly are, right, which just means taking off all the overcoats of everything you've been taught of how you should be, have to be, need to be, to fit in, to have people love you, to, you know, to have a security. As we take them off, then our gifts are right there in our hands. I know you've experienced this angel, even though we haven't met. Clearly, you've changed your whole entire life. Right. So when you decided to take off the masks and become who you really are, what to do is like the exhale that follows the inhale. It's right there. I never thought that I would be a person who would know what my path was. Right. Because I so felt at odds with everything and, and, and so um, different. Right. And I bet almost everybody in this call has felt this way. Um, I just honestly, I never thought I'd be a person who would be fortunate enough to find my path. I thought maybe I'd find it when I was like 80. And here I am walking my path. And, and you know, it came from challenges right, that I had to address. But we all have a path to walk and we all have gifts to share. And the way through the time we're in, the way to make it a time of promise is to commit ourselves to developing our gifts, to, to finding them so that we can share them and we can only do it together. We really can only do it together. We can't, none of us can possibly, you know, do enough, do it all. We all, we all go to that place, right? But we're not supposed to. That's why we have each other. And that's how nature works. You know, that's that's one of the things that for me uh, always bring me back there when I need wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's what my elders always told me. Say, well, everybody out there, not talking about the two-legged human beings, mm -hmm. they are all in their purpose. Yes. They don't they don't seek it. They're not lost. They don't experience anger, confusion, separation. So all that illness that we were talking about earlier you know, is not present in that reflection. If we take the time, like you beautifully said about slowing down mm -hmm. and connecting. And then there's particular plants that help. So like, here's one that people don't really know about. So it might be fun to share. So this was why I was late because this, <laughs> this tree just really wanted to um, come. I wasn't late. I was right on time. Um, but so this beautiful little familiar, probably, wait a minute. I know I always get confused. Is it in the camera well? Angel? Yes, we can see it. Okay, so this is a Kwanzaa cherry blossom, the kind of classic, you know, cherry blossom that they have festivals to in Tokyo and Washington and fills the, the air and the streets in the spring. This blossom helps open us to joy. This blossom helps open us to joy. I take them and I mm, rip them up lovingly. Really, I'm doing everything I can to keep myself from eating this right now because they're very delicious. Um, but I, I put this in vinegar or in vinegar and honey. Oh, and it's just divine. And little by little, when you, so I like to say too, is we're not, you know, everybody knows we are what we eat, right? But we are not. We're what we assimilate. We're what we assimilate. So we want to do also help our digestion so that we assimilate, but we also assimilate the spirit. Of the plant, right? As I recently heard a Kudendera put it beautifully, you know, the plant has a spirit, the person has a spirit, you bring them together, the person heals. And it's it's so. 
so cherry, but there's a, one that's really abundant and common that I want to um, mention to everyone because it might be growing in your lawn or your local park, and that is the beautiful violet. Oh, yeah, and it's whatever. Be out now already, yes. Right? They must be all over the sanctuary. Yes. And I want you to look at, like, like the metaphor of nature is so incredible. As you said, everybody, you know, all everything cooperating um, with each other, nature coexistence. But I love the metaphor of how the violet leaf, shaped like a heart, of course, like a, you know, like a, um, our depiction of a heart, right? But also how it kind of curls in. See how it curls in here? Mm-hmm. And it's like that we can let ourselves open our hearts at our own pace. Like it's really so helpful to trust our timing is something I've learned um, to do. It helps us second guess things less, go back over and over things we wish we'd done or not done. Violet melts. So I'm not talking about the physical medicine. Now, now I'm talking about the spiritual medicine. Violet melts and softens the armors that we have put around our hearts, the protective armor. So I highly recommend that you learn about violet, that you eat violets in your salads, or you dry violets for tea, or you buy it. I have a whole load of wonderful um, resources uh, if you want to buy things of where to buy herbs on my website. Um, uh, I encourage you to support conscious uh, growers and, and business people and not necessarily run to Amazon for your herbs, please. Um, yeah, we want you want them to be harvested with respect if they're wildcrafted or grown with love, if they're gardened. But yeah, so a little humble, shy, violet. And I always find, Angel, and this is really a cool thing, is that the spiritual medicine of any plant that I've ever learned about uh, either from a teacher or from the plant, will always have a physical component that um, mirrors it so that it keeps it, again, rooted and grounded, the medicine. It's not just like a fancy idea or, as my beloved first spiritual teacher used to say, it's not psychic woo-woo, right? <laughs> it's real. It's real. So. Yes, and to discover that we need to to experience it. Obviously, you know, we, because we people might listen to you and say, "Well, that sounds a bit bizarre that the shape of the leaf, you know, is like doing something to my heart." But so many years ago, uh, was beginning of my path with those plants. I was uh, at a very busy job, and I was very exhausted emotionally. And a lot of, uh, there was a lot of drama where I was working at, and there was a lot of personal attack. So a lot of things were, were coming at me. And one day I was in my garden here. I just bought the land. It was like 10 years ago. And I got really uh, attracted by those nettles. Good. <laughs> I were there. And I, for a moment, I saw the nettle was saying something to me. I was not sure. I was like, oh, make, maybe you're making it up. But, you know, it was one of those very common plants like dandelion. You know, I never really pay attention to nettle. I know they are edible. And that shows that what came in my image in my head was this small warrior, like with, with like a helmet and a shield and a spear. And there was all this little guy basically around those nettles that says, that's what we do. That's why when you touch us, you know, it stings. Yep. 
and they say, work with us, just drink that, make some tea, make some soup, and we are going to recharge your system. And then I realized, oh yeah, nettle is very nourishing. You know, it's so, it has so much nutrition, but on a, on the more spiritual level, you know, there was this defense mechanism, which really helped me regain boundaries. You bet. That's so that was my first, my first experience there. Nice. So is that, nettles, nettles teaches respect. Yeah. Self, it was like self-respect. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, you know, very often people think of mind altering plants and things like that. But I think like you said, rightly you know they are all mind altering in that way yeah. all, can- all plants are consciousness altering they grow us we only think we grow them they grow us if we yeah if totally. we open ourselves so that's a wonderful story about you and nettles and it also makes me think of and maybe some of you are thinking about this too right it's not like we need one medicine right we need the armor melted on our hearts so that we mm-hmm. can feel our grief so that we can feel our joy so that we can feel you know, willing to connect with other people and not be frightened, right? Um, but we also need our strength. We need our sense of our being in ourselves, right? And you saw it as the warrior and that I'm in this moment in a place of wanting to kind of um, find new uh, words that take us out of military metaphors and take us mm. out of, so I've been thinking about using, and I it's nothing wrong with it, but you know, we need to we need some shifts. So I've been thinking about it when people say, you know, the way of the peaceful warrior or the, or the you know, um, guardian, the guardians, mm-hmm. right? So we want to, so you took in those guardian nettles and they taught you how to guard your autonomy, really, right? Your sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And really, I think these paths that we're on is ultimately that's a big piece of it right it's it's regaining a sense of of, that you're sovereign and when you're really in yourself then it allows you to have the deepest connections right right because you're not trying to i also love how brene brown puts this she said don't try to fit in find where you belong I'm sure it resonates with many people here tonight. Yeah, that was such a great one uh, for me to hear. Um, because, you know, like most people, I wanted to fit in. I wanted, I mean, I don't know. I wanted to, I wanted to be exactly who I was and be accepted, which didn't work. Um, <laughs> didn't work. Yeah, usually it requires some, some big shift. So degrees of, of compromise. Yep. One of the things, you know, we sometimes have people coming on the land and we, I think we have over 400 or 500 different types of medicinal and herbal mm. plants here. So a big diversity. And many people, because they live in New York City or they just don't have that, uh, can feel a little bit overwhelmed when it comes to plants because there's yeah. so many, they look so different, they might be afraid of toxicity and all that. So you gave a few pointers, but there's a few questions of people around that about how do we go about it? How do we find that maybe that plan to work with and what are some of the steps we can take to, to connect and start working with them in general that are safe, that are easy, like, like the breathing with a tree that you explained, things like that, that we can do uh, that kind of first baby steps into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, learn one plant. Learn one plant at a time. That's the best way is just start with exactly one, mm. right? And we're, again, our culture has, you know, brainwashed us, us more, 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 more. 
but one is like, it's like falling in love with one person, right? It brings a degree of depth and richness that you can't have if you're in a room with, you know, 30 people, right? It might be fun, but it's not the same. So I say, start with one plant, learn to identify one plant, or, you know, really, you don't even have to. You could maybe, you're, you take a little walk through the park. I mean, I, I, by the way, I'll just diverge for a second. I spent my first 10 years uh, in, as a herbalist in Manhattan. Mm. In Manhattan, yeah. One day, New York Magazine did a did a, a a story, and they did the Green Witch of New York. I was like, it's time to go, uh, it's time to move. <laughs> but it was exciting. Um, so, city, country, suburb, wherever you are. I mean, the only caution I would say is, you know, to make sure that if you're ingesting plants, that that you know that they're not sprayed um, with mm. pesticide. And I also always like to add, and if you know that it is in your neighborhood or your park, start speaking up about it and say, we don't want this. We don't want things poisoned. It's not necessary. Um, but going back to the original kind of question. So what I was saying was sometimes you don't even need to know what plant it is, what tree it is. Maybe you are just, every time you take that walk, that one just kind of, just kind of pulls you over towards it a little bit. You might want to just sit um, with a little sketch pad right? Or you might want to just do some automatic writing, right? Um, I, my favorite one is to do this plant says, this plant says, this plant says, and you just don't, um, it's a Natalie Goldberg technique, right? You don't take your pen up from the paper until something else starts coming out. And if you start to like panic, you just go back to this plant says, this plant says, you'd be amazed. There might be one, only one line in there, but that one, that, that, isn't like, you know, uh, I don't know, that, that feels profound to you, but it'll be really profound for you. Mm. Um, and, um, but you could learn to identify one, you could learn dandelion, or you could learn one of my all-time favorites, plantain, mm. right? Plantain, plantain. Um, right? And I mean, I could describe to you how to identify it and say it grows in a rosette, and it has, you know, parallel veins, but I don't think that you're going to, if you don't know it, you're not going to feel comfortable, like, you know, from my description online. But, you know, find a local forager or, you know, look in my books, look in guidebooks. Um, but start with one. I mean, that's how I started. That's how I started with one plant. And I still to this day have my apprentices, again, do that plant ally meditation, meditative work. We use some plants that help us open up a little extra and um, and they work with that plant for the year. And I still do this practice, right? I do this practice. Last year I worked with strawberry. Strawberry is such a little sweetheart of a, of a plant in the rose family. It's one of the rose family plants that doesn't have thorns, right? So it doesn't have like those kind of boundaries you were talking about with nettles, stinging nettles. Way sweeter. Um, <laughs> but what? Very sweet, very sweet, very sweet, right? Nettles we classify as salty, mm -hmm. so it kind of it builds you up, right? And and I'm not sure I ever finished the thought of that we need all of these medicines, like in a certain way, right? We need the heart, the armor melting, we need the opening to joy from the cherry, we need the rooting and grounding of a dandelion root, right? We need the power, the sense of personal power of the nettles. We need all of these 
things. And then what starts to happen is you, you open to one plant and or even to the idea of opening to a plant and one step leads to the next. One step leads to the next. When I was talking about not feeling I'd ever find my path until I was really old and almost ready to leave, um, I just started to come from the place of if I put one foot in front of the other and I do something I care about, you know, whether it's for money or not, that's, that's not the point, but do something or investigate or explore, it's going to lead me somewhere good. And that, it, that's what happens. It does. It really does. And even just, or take your shoes off and be barefoot on the earth, that feeds you, that feeds you physically, spiritually. Um, the other thing, Angel, in terms of slowing down is I just don't know how anybody can stay sane in 2021 if they don't have some kind of meditative practice. Hmm. I just don't think it's possible. I, I know it's not possible for me. I, I would be less joyful if I didn't have mm. a meditative practice. So just time to close the eyes, go inside every day, 20 minutes. takes 20 minutes for sort of your wavelengths to shift. It's really, really helpful. Really helpful. Um, a plant that's helpful with that is Artemisia vulgaris, commonly called mugwort. Mugwort, yes. Yes. Someone was asking about mugwort, so I'll talk yeah, about here's a it. Yeah, here's a little mugwort. Here's the back. That silver suggests that this is a plant connected with the moon, right? Connected with lunar wisdom, with psychic, intuitive, what we call the deep feminine wisdom. Not, not talking gender, but that, you know, that deep feminine wisdom that's been so missing from the earth. Right, that that wisdom that says, "Let's not sit in rows. Let's sit in a circle." Mm. Right, and and so that we all realize that our voice. I like to think that we're in a circle now, and each of us is like one spoke on the wheel. And though I'm talking and you're talking, everybody's perspective who's sitting here in the circle is valuable. It's more than valuable. It's essential. We mm. really, truly need all of us. And then it ripples, and then it ripples. You're listening to The Sanctuary Podcast with Angel Deer. While you're listening, browse the website at www.thesanctuaryheal.com. Yeah, and so I love how you talked about finding that one plan and really sitting with it. I remember years ago when I, I took, you know, um, a herbalism class for a few years, and I went and did bought a lot of books. I got really overwhelmed by the names and the classifications and all that. And one day I was listening to a native teacher that told me that was a very white mind things to do to classify all those plants. And, Absolutely. You know, it's like, it's a, you don't classify your brother and your sister. So it's just your, your family then say, so it kind of invited me to basically go back to my land and to look at what was growing there. Because yes. he said, the plants that you need, they grow next to you. That you don't have to go to exotic destination or other very rare plants. You know, I was looking for a plant that nobody knew or something very special. And here I am, I'm meeting nettle. And then after nettle, it was yarrow. And mm -hmm. after yarrow, it was tulsi. And what happened is that I happened to work for a few months with one plant. And somehow, when it was time to go... Uh, to let go of that plants, 
either I felt I received these other plants in dream or it was just appearing on my path. And I got to trust, to Ooh. relearn to trust my intuition, to not seek out, you know, all those like, all those books and things like that, to really return to my intuition. And I feel even in some of the questions we have to do, you know, I think there's always that thing, oh, could you tell me, you know, what plan I need to use for that? So do you have that experience that we somehow, and it's probably part of this pathology that we have completely hand over our power. Mm -hmm. And that includes trusting that we somehow know about those plants. We somehow at least can remember there's a way, there's a process that yeah. might be scary, but that is possible to start with what we call those little weed, you know, you know, plants that literally grow everywhere and that maybe we don't pay attention or we try to remove all the time from our lawn. We try to remove them, we poison them, we yeah, stamp, <laughs> stomp all over them. Yes. Yes. I mean, and there's even, you know, so one way to describe what you're saying is body wisdom. It's body wisdom. So that I've learned um, from, and I'm always learning from children and animals, you know, that there's this response to the plant when you're drinking the tea or, you know, mm. let's say drinking a tea, it just feels right. And oftentimes, even with somebody with a, a chronic um, long-term condition, they might have a, um, they might have a really dramatic reaction in their healing process. And I've learned to tell them not to count on that lasting right? That healing moves in a spiral. It doesn't move in a straight line very, very rarely, especially if it's something that's been long-term. But it's like the plant wants you to know it's the right one for you, right? For that moment. And, and the plants aren't possessive. So of course, Nettle introduced you to Yarrow and Yarrow introduced you to uh, Tulsi. Um, they're, they're very, uh, you know, they're very um, open that way. They, they, don't, they don't seem to have that kind of ego. No, no, it's just me. But on the other hand, you will probably, I would venture to say, you will always have a deep connection with nettle. You hmm. always have a deep connection with nettle. Like I'll always have a deep connection with elder because, all right, so maybe this goes back to your very first question. I did, before I was going to go an apprentice, I did have a dream about a tree. And I knew I was supposed to sleep under the tree. And I had no idea what the tree was. I was living on 14th Street and 6th Avenue in Manhattan. There weren't even any trees. It's like a really big avenue, totally commercial. And, you know, it's got apartments. I know that corner. Busy. Yes, it's not okay. very green. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, not at all. And I had the dream. And, and, and I learned eventually that that was the elder tree. That that was the elder tree. Sambucas. Right, a, a revered medicine everywhere it it grows, um, and and so yes, there was that moment. Then when I actually met the elder, I'm like, oh, you know, that was the tree in my dream. Oh, oh, and then I learned, oh, there's actually a legend that you sleep under the tree on summer solstice eve, and you'll see the fairies going by, and um, that's kind of cool that this is coming up because we're right at the cusp of Beltane, and the fairies come back. Um, the Fae people come back from the other world uh, for half the year. Now, right about now. Um, so, 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 um, I got I got sidetracked by my own story. Wait, give me a second, and I'll come back. Um, maybe someone in the room can help me. Yeah, we were just 
talking about you know that fi- finding that plant that is right for us oh, oh body trusting body the intuition trusting you know what's what's calling so it's so yes thank you this is really important is so you're talking about trusting intuition and that what helps us trust our intuition is coming right again here we are you have to be embodied you have to be in your body to feel right and so what i've learned from children and animals is that they will enjoy even the most bitter tasting plant when it's what they need. And so I've now I do this with adults and I see it, I see it with myself, I see it with everybody that when we need it, it like I'm not saying it's like chocolate truffles, but it will taste to us like good, like, mm, I need this right now. I need this right now. Um, or this appeals to me. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. So there's actually a name for learning through your own senses. It's called organoleptic learning, right? But body wisdom sounds less scary. Um, but your, your body, so when something tastes right to you, you can trust that. And yes, our senses have been diluted with all of our processed food and our white sugar and, you know, all of that. But, you know, you just got to trust it's a process of step by step by step. So I remember one gal who was studying with me had a terrible accident, lost all of her teeth in a bicycle accident. And I'm not going to tell you the whole story, right? But yarrow was one of the herbs that I strongly mm. suggested to her as she was going through all of this dental work and implants. And she, it was, she was in pain and swollen. Anyway, drank the yarrow, drank the yarrow, loved the yarrow, loved the yarrow, loved the yarrow. When she got better, she's like, how did I ever drink that? How did I ever drink? She, she didn't like it, but she liked it when she needed it. And I just, I see this over and over again and animals know what to drink. Like that's how I started working with animals. I'm going to have the joy of doing a class uh, with a bunch of horse women in July doing or who's, I helped her with her horse. And now she's got like a whole gig going of helping people um, with herbs with their horses. And um, what I first learned with animals was like a friend came up and said, my cat has a heart condition. They want to put her on this herb. I was a young herbalist. I didn't know the specifics. What do you do for tachycardia versus this versus that? So I said, all right, let's put down every heart herb I know and see if the cat will drink any of them. And the cat like walked up to one bowl, sniffed, walked to another bowl, sniffed, walked to another bowl, sniffed, walked to this bowl and sniffed and said, that's the one and lapped the whole thing up. So I started realizing, yeah, there's a wisdom through our senses that can help empower our intuition. And right again, the intuition and the body senses brings together again the spirit and the being embodied. Because a lot of a lot of us on the spiritual path, you know, are, are not as good at being in our bodies, and that's where mm. we're supposed to be. Um, that's where enlightenment can bring joy, mm. right? Um, is really being all the way, all the way here where we came to be. So do you use things like muscle testing or things like that? You just test two or three different plants or you just go with the taste and the feeling? Say, well, I'm going to try those three plants or maybe you're... you're well, I don't you do know. that anymore, but um, but yeah, no, I, I go by many things. But no, I don't go by muscle testing um, for me because my guidance has been that I need to always be um, not using an outside tool. And I know that's not exactly an outside tool, but... But just passing over that for the moment, I, 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 I mean, if I'm helping somebody, I'm going to look to help them 
use the least amount of plants to address the most things. Like you can't necessarily address everything at once, right? But um, if there's one plant that can help them both with nervousness and a rapid heartbeat and lack of sleep, then we might say, yeah, drink some linden. Drink some linden blossom. Um, what's in my cup is so it's it's taste, it's smell, it's energy, right? Like so if you're sitting with me, I might have you drink something and just see, and I train my students to do this, just like what happens in his energy field when he drank that cup of nettles. Mm. And you be, all of us have this ability to see, oh, look, he just sat up straighter. You know, he didn't even know he sat up straighter because we do, right? We have these responses. There's a lot of wise folks in this uh, circle who, you know, know these things, who've seen these things in their practices as well. And, you know, we want, like the, the plants that help us vision that are like the kind of break and enter plants are really powerful, you know, the ayahuasca or, or what have you, right? They're not easy on the body, ultimately. They're, they're hard on the liver. They're hard on the kidneys. They're not really meant to be used all the time, mm-hmm. right? We want to open if, if that Maybe that is exactly what's needed right now to open more doors more quickly for more people, right? Because we do need to wake up and like yesterday, right? Um, all right, tomorrow, <laughs> today, now. Um, all right, so, so but, but the thing is, it's, it's like the, um, the integration and the embodiment of what happens for us when we, you know, um, take something that, you know, kind of blows the door open as opposed to something that we turn the knob, open the door, walk through, and then say, wow, I, I've, been, I've been rubbing my uh, body, you know, with dandelion flower oil, and not only is, do I have last cramps, um, my limbs is flowing, I don't have, my ankles are less swollen, um, but I feel brighter. Ah, right, because dandelion is like, um, well, what that plant tells me is I'm a light in the darkness. And I was telling my apprentices last night, I have never tasted dandelions that were as sweet as this year. This year, they are outrageously sweet. There are usually like so many. Of- so, I mean, I don't know for me, but my right next to my house, there's this massive patch that I'm sure was not here last year. There's just yeah. so many that really called me and say, "Oh, there's something with dandelion this year." It's yeah. interesting. Are there questions in the chat that we might want to? Yeah, there's address? a few that I, that I was covering, but you know, there was a few question about um, native plant vs non-native and um, foraging vs cultivating. So, if you can just talk a little bit upon that, you know, is it better to go forage wild plant? Is it better to, to cultivate them? Uh, and also what about native, non-native? What's your, I mean, I'm, I think I know what you're going to say, but I want to ask you about it. How do you go about that? Or invasive, non-invasive, you know, now we have all those classification. This is an invasive, this is not good. Uh, I'm sure you have okay. a different opinion on that. But, you uh, bet I do. You bet I do. <laughs> so tell us so, something about that. Right. And it's like the thing you say with the native view of plant families. It's like, well, what's growing next to dandelion? That's dandelion's family, not what's in the Asteraceae genus, right? But what's growing with dandelion? Oh, dandelion likes to grow with plantain and burdock. Oh, maybe maybe those would work well together in a body. Maybe they would. So, um, 
So let's talk about um, cultivating or foraging. One of the most important teachings that I have been working on for the last 30 years and that Strawberry just kept telling me over and over again last year is there's no such thing as this or that. There is no such thing as this or that. It is always this and that, this and that, this and that. So that's my answer about that. And then if we're talking about certain plants, I will only use them cultivated. Whereas when I started, I would only use them wildcrafted. But when I started, herbalism wasn't a billion dollar business, right? And so now, because it's, it's, you know, we're way beyond the backyard herbalism thing. I mean, that's herbalism really, ideally is besides, you know, just a, a, a family or personal as a business, it should be a small scale business. It really, really lends itself to that to be um, good for the earth. And what's good for the earth is good for us. And what's good for us is good for our earth. Um, so certain plants such as um, slippery elm bark, right? That's a great digestive. I wouldn't use that wild because we've lost so many elms to Dutch elm disease. We don't want to, we don't want to take elm from the wild. I don't want to take ginseng from the wild. Mm. I don't want to take echinacea from the wild. So this was a plant that filled the plains, right? Like the buffalo, right? But it's been over harvested to, you know, just to within an inch of its, of its life. So I only buy cultivated or grow, you know, or grow um, echinacea. Uh, some people call it echinacea, same plant. Cone flower, cone flower. Beautiful. You know, it's often in gardens as a quote, ornamental, um, right? Which is again, another very, human-centric way to see a plant. Like I, I did a video just uh, really recently on my YouTube channel on, on the cherry, not this cherry tree, but on my flowing cherry tree. And I was like, you know, don't tell the bees who are buzzing all over these flowers that this is just ornamental, right? This is, this is not ornamental to them. This is sustenance. Um, so, so cultivating, I wish that I had learned to garden before I learned to wildcraft. But I did live on the beautiful island of Manahata, land of wild strawberries. I just thought of that. Yep. Um, so here it is all these years later and strawberry said me. Um, so, so I didn't garden yet. I didn't know about having to take care of plants, how to tend plants. Um, and, you know, and then gradually when I moved out of the city, and of course, many people in the city have beautiful community gardens and this and that, but I just, I wasn't there yet. Um, I was just learning to, well, and you know, when you said about it being overwhelming, I remember coming home from my apprenticeship, my first like real deep studies at plants and going, oh my God, everything just looks green. I didn't learn anything. I, I'm not, I don't know anything. So it's a very common. And even in my apprenticeship, like the the second year or the third year gals are like looking at the first year gals going like, yeah, or the guys. Yeah, we know. We know. Yeah. You'll be surprised when you see how much you actually have learned. Um, so that's common. And that's why it's so good to work, you know, with one. Um, it doesn't mean you can only drink that plant, but it means you put your studies into one and it really opens the whole world. Um, it's like when you've had a deep relationship with someone, and then maybe even if that relationship ends for whatever reason, you've learned a lot that goes into your other relationships, you know. 
Um, so cultivating is brilliant because you really learn to care for the plants, which I love. I do wildcraft very abundant, very common weeds. So I wildcraft planting. I wildcraft, wildcraft means gathering from the wild. I wildcraft uh, violet. I wildcraft plantain, dandelion, yellow duck, burdock, um, plants whose names I don't know, but I know they're good to eat. Um, you know, violet flowers, right? And these violet flowers are not even the reproductive flowers. They're just sheer showing off. They're just sheer showing off. They're just exuberant and beautiful. And I pick these to put in vinegar to create a beautiful purple vinegar salad dressing. Um, but they didn't make it into the vinegar yet because I wanted to show everybody. Um, so invasive. Any, invasive. Okay. Alien invasive species. Do you have a take on that? I mean, I yeah. have some idea. Here, I'm here's, sure you're, here, yeah. here's, my, here's my suggestion. Let's all call them pervasive plants as opposed to invasive plants because invasive implies an intention. Again, there's the military kind of mindset, mm. an intention to take over, an intention to do, you know, to have power over. They're pervasive, yes, and sometimes they absolutely need to be, you know, um, tamed and, you know, uh, taken down so other things can grow. And these pervasive plants are so often showing up where they bring specific healing to water, specific healing to land. Um, in my area where Lyme's disease and other tick co-infections are mm. epidemic, um, we have huge overgrowths of Japanese knotweed and Japanese barberry, both of which uh, are, are turning out to be really important herbs to help people through Lyme's. Yes. All right, so the plants will tend to be healing. The plants will tend to be healing. Now I have a wild rose that was threatening to take down my pine tree. For years, I let them coexist. I said they were married. And, and then finally I said, all right, you know what? This is no longer an equal relationship. You're taking over. You know, so you're not letting pine like breathe. Pine needs a little space. So, you know, so I'm not saying we don't, um, people have always, native peoples, indigenous, everybody has always managed, quote unquote, managed plants, helped, worked with the plants, used them to our advantage. I mean, you know, one of my teachers I'm so grateful for, I didn't have many experiences with her, but the ones I had were absolutely pivotal, um, was Kiwe Dinokwe, an Anishinaabe herbalist uh, from Michigan, or the land we call Michigan. Um, and she said, truthfully, that all of all the creatures of the earth, the plants have remained truest to their original instructions from creator, which is to give of themselves generously for the health of all the other beings, right? of all the other beings. And so the plants, I mean, I believe the animals do as well. They want us to take them into ourselves. They want us to, we need the qualities, you know, of deer, of nettle, of, of violet, of, you know, and so on and so forth. We, we need to have more of ourselves and they are part of ourselves in order to be effective at really to not put too fine a spin on it of taking back the earth. Because that's what this time is really about. It's about us taking back the earth for the benefit of all beings rather than it being, you know, 
taken away from most people for the benefit or the supposed benefit of a few people, right? This is the time we're in. It's, it's a really critical moment. It's a critical moment. So did I answer all those foraging? You did, yes. Yeah, okay. you did answer. And, you know, that leads me into this other question, which are kind of outlined by some people here, which is obviously we're in this time of reclaiming power, self-power. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what we call freedom, really. Mm -hmm. So is there specific plans that are really about embodiment, returning to the body, finding our mm -hmm. path, and like those plans that really support that remembering of self, getting into our bodies, and then finding that purpose, finding that guidance? Well, what I, I mean, you know, we've all been wounded in various ways. And so, you know, the finessing of answering that question would be, well, where am I most wounded? Where do I really need to the most help? But since we can't go through each and every um, participant in the circle, I love common plantain because plantain, and this is not the banana plan, plan, plantain. This is, this is uh, yantain in Espanol or plantago in the botanical Latin or plantain lance leaf or broadleaf or seaside. There's many plantains. Um, this little rosette that grows on the earth. Um, everywhere we walk, everywhere we walk, there's plantain. Um, what I've seen, so, so plantain builds the body very well. It helps heal the integrity of the gut wall. It helps heal the mucosa in the mouth. It's super high in iron. It's really a specific I turn to when infants have what they diagnose as failure to thrive. So think about this failure to thrive. So if in your life you're feeling like, oh, I want to know what my path is. I want to know what my gifts are. I, I, or maybe I have a hint, but I haven't had the courage to, you know, take those next steps into walking my path. Um, so I'm not thriving inside. Maybe even outside, you're thriving great, but inside, not so much. Plantain is, is a shockingly powerful ally. And the other thing about plantain as a spiritual medicine, and I discovered this over many years, I did not know this for the longest time, but this is a profound truth. Plantain is a great medicine when someone has become so jaded and cynical that it's like, you know, really, why bother? It, it's, you know, it, it's too late. Right. It's too late. We've we've messed up so badly. You know, I'm cleaning up my language in my mind as I'm speaking. I don't know how important that is to you, but, you know, we're right. So, I mean, a lot of us feel that way sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you if you sit in that place, it's devastating. Right. And, and it's you know, it's not true. Most importantly, it's not true. So I love planting could be a great place to start reclaiming embodiment because it restores lost innocence even and, and then you can match, you can bring your adult awareness, but still have that childlike innocence, that trust that anything is possible, right? that it's, anything is possible. 
it's really fascinating to say that. For, so I have a lot of plantain on my land because, you know, it's everywhere. But there's one place where I have a lot of plantain every year. It's on my driveway, which is those rocks, you know, those very fine rocks. And every year the plantain just come back out of the land, almost run on my driveway and colonized it. And I always look at it as this plant that is so resilient, you know, so capable of just that's what I heard from it. Say, well, I'm coming to bare lands. I'm coming to places that have been devastated and I can rebuild from there. So it's, it's interesting because I see bridges with what you were talking exactly. about. You know, courageous Spirit, little plants. That physical medicine, spiritual medicine. It's specific for anemia. And here we are in the time of COVID. This is a plant that helps the lungs. It helps us to breathe. And it's probably most famous simply as the Band-Aid plant that you uh, chew up and put on if you get a mosquito bite or a wasp sting or something, and it will soothe the itch, it will heal the pain, it will bring down inflammation, it will stop bleeding, and it will dry out a splinter or a piece of glass or this or that, and it's just a weed, right? Mm. Um, yes, ah, Lynn, it's been raining here and plantain is everywhere, and yeah. It's definitely raging, yeah, it's like the dandelion this year, <laughs> I feel... Yeah. So, yeah, and I mean, even well, okay, you go ahead. No, I, I was just looking at the the question around that, and people, uh, Liz was asking, you know, do you have a few other rituals that uh, can evoke a spiritual relationship with plants to share, like the breathing with a tree? So, is there other ways, like, to kind of get that relationship ready? That, that's what it is with that plant. Like as a living being there and, and yeah, what other yeah. ways I mean, there? I mean, one way would be to have that plant like on your land or in your house. If it's, you know, maybe you want to develop a relationship with Hawthorne and you buy a Hawthorne tree if you don't have one. Or what? what's really beautiful is you could take a sprig of the plant dried or fresh and put it next to your bed and ask the plant to come um, into your dreams. And because we can be sometimes more receptive and open, you know, when we're asleep and we might get messages that way. Um, so that could be nice, you know, or put a piece of that plant um, on your altar, right? Or on an altar that you have, um, you know, just sitting with a plant or climbing into a tree is always always good. So like, I'm not against by any means, you know, reading and, and studying outwardly, but that won't deepen your relationship with the plant that just will give you information. Mm -hmm. So any way that you can be with the plant, or a part of the plant, you know, even sometimes I'll have someone, you know, if it's the best they can do, maybe for whatever reason, we don't need to go there, you know, all right, download a picture from the internet, at least look at a picture of the plant. You know, they're not limited in time and space. You can put out the the intention that you want to know that plant better and you want that plant to know you better. The plant will get that. I mean, I only have about a million examples of that. Here's a great one. Um, I had an apprentice who for years didn't tell me, this is so funny, that she was just really afraid of plants. She was really afraid of plants and she was doing my apprenticeship program and she didn't go out and she didn't do her homework, she didn't do her practices. And she was yelling with the pine tree. And this is literally true. A pine tree in her courtyard, in her city apartment, grew in to her bedroom window. 
<laughs> it literally grew one branch. Hello, hello, you are going to meet me. And she has since really turned her life around. It really healed some serious, like mental diagnose, you know, uh, conditions that she had and um, physical conditions. And really, the plants help us grow up too. They help us mature ourselves. Like we're in a very immature time of, of our human, you know, human humanness and, and the plants are way older than us. So that's something else to, you know, back to this question about cultivating, here's something beautiful. Bring a gift to a plant or tree that you want to get to know better. You know, if it's really dry, your gift might be water or it might be you know, a crystal you love that you're giving away, or it might be you make a beautiful little herb blend of lavender and roses or sage or whatever you love, and you put it down at the base of the plant. So you come to that plant, you let that plant see you, your heart, and then you look, you know, to see. So again, it takes time, just like when you meet somebody, you don't know them intimately right away, right? Like, even if you drink that cup of tea, like even if you sleep with that person on your first date, you still don't know them intimately yet, right? Mm -hmm. So you can, you can like put the giveaway down, you can make a cup of tea and drink it and like make that a ritual, right, of connection. Um, you can take a bath in an herbal tea. That's a wonderful way uh, to also, you know, like so you immerse yourself in a medicine made from that plant. It's another way to cultivate the connection. If you're working with the plant itself, then that's it. You, you know, you go to that plant in different weathers, right? Be with that plant at night, you know, or in the rain, the sun, you know, or different seasons. Um, uh, one, a guy who is uh, in his third year of the three-year apprenticeship program just um, wrote to me like earlier this afternoon, he said, who is this? I'm so drawn to this tree. He just moved to a new home. And I said, are you home? He said, yeah, he moved to my town. And I, I said, are you home? I'm right nearby. I'll come look. So I pull up at his house and he takes me to this tree that he's been so excited about. And it's this total full blooming apple tree. So beautiful. It's an apple tree. He didn't know. He didn't know, but it's filled with pink blossoms. He's like, is it going to have apples in the autumn? It's like probably, you know, and and his you know daughter was so excited to learn they had an apple tree. So you start with following your heart, and then you see where, then all these different ways. I hope these practices, maybe these suggestions, are helpful. Yes, it's it's beautiful, and so we are. You know, we have five ten more minutes, but I want to shift gear and talk a little bit about. You know, one of the things that's dear to my heart that I feel when I reconnect to the land and when I go into those practices is that it's much more than just my own health and, you know, what we just talked about, but there's also a political act, a social implication. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've been teaching thousands of people and you've been doing that for a very long time. And, and I want to ask you a little bit about your perspective on on doing what we talked about, but as a broader kind of enlarging it now to the most impact on this earth and our relations, how we interact and kind of a different way of living and relating. And now this green witch, this 
practices really uh, reverberate into the collective, into much deeper than even just our little tea on our counter. There's a, a po- I like to say a political act, you know, so kind of voicing this is this is the, the system I believe in. So I don't know. I'm sure you you know have a lot of things to say about that. But I'd love to hear a little bit about your your opinion on that, your feeling about that. Self-care is one of the most radical acts we can do. And to truly take care of ourselves because we care about ourselves. Um, Because if I can't care about me, anything I do outside is limited. I can't take better care of my river. I can't take better care of my tree than I can of myself. So that's the first thing. And self-care doesn't mean that you do it all yourself. A very huge piece of self-care that is so important to learn and learn to practice is how to ask for help and then open how and when to ask for help and to open to receive it, right? So my thinking is, is that if I feel terrible, if I feel run down, if I feel weak, if I feel sick, if I feel tired, where do I have the energy to stand up for the people, right, and the land. So it, they're, they're, again, it's like little strawberry taught me. It's not this or that. It's, it has to be all of it. It's like this to me is the new paradigm. The old paradigm was the healer works themselves to the bone until they die. And they get weaker and sicker and everybody goes, oh, that's so too bad. Wasn't she wonderful? Wasn't he wonderful? They were always there for everybody. They never took care of themselves. They're so selfless. No, no more. No, that's not a good paradigm for our time. For our time, we need to be sustainable for the long run. I mean, you know, I I do a lot of political workings locally here, standing up to get thus and so projects stopped or get this to happen or, you know, whatever. I mean, nobody wants to spend their time going to, you know, council meetings or or things like that. I I mean, I don't think anybody does. I'd much rather be, you know, taking a walk in the woods, right? But when we have been cared for by the land, right, or by our connection with the earth, then that's our give back, right? We, it's, it, it's, again, it's almost like the exhale that follows the inhale, and, and everybody's got different paths. I don't think there's one right way. I don't think it's absolutely true that everybody has to be anything, right? People have different ways of contributing to the whole, but by connecting yourself and learning to be in yourself again, then you have the energy to tend to the collective. And and my thinking is, you know, choose which elements of tending to the collective are for you, right? Because none of us can do everything and you can burn out and lose it. And in the end, that doesn't help. Mm. That doesn't help. But when you, like, let's say if I was asked to speak last week at a rally in our town where we're stopping a gas compression station, right? And everything about it is awful, right? Supporting frack gas, um, you know, destroying, it's right next to a waterway that's giving water to 3 million people. Like, it's, it's absolutely certifiably insane, but they say they're going ahead with it. And I keep saying, no, you're not, you, you're not. Um, so, you know, there we are in this. So anyway, I was, uh, you know, there were other speakers. There was a Lenny Lenape man who also invoked, you know, the directions. It was beautiful. 
there were people on the front lines of the, you know, the political, um, you know, and people who had all the facts and figures about why it was bad. And then there was me coming, bringing the roots, you know, bringing the roots of the land and the, and the power of the land to, you know, and the what was possible. See, I think this maybe is, is, a, is the key for me is we have to be able to imagine the healing that's possible, the reclaiming that's, in my opinion, inevitable, inevitable. As we heal ourselves, healing spreads. It spreads in our families. It spreads in our communities. It, and even to the extent of when you're having to have difficult confrontations. I had a really difficult confrontation in my neighborhood just this weekend. It was so hard because these are my neighbors and they're going to be mad at me for the confrontation because I was protecting the forest. I wouldn't say we left best friends, but they really did hear me that when I said, because I brought the mountain, you know, to my, to my voice, I care about your kids and I care about the land. I, I care about your kids and I care about the land. I said it over and over and over. And I hope, I really do hope. I know the kids heard it, which is really important because they're the next generation. But that's where a lot of young people are now too, is they can only see everything that's wrong and we need, 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 need to be envisioning what we're creating, not what we're tearing down because it's falling apart of itself, right? I mean, we're part of it de deconstructing, of course, but it, it's like the structures that we've lived in, they are self-destructing at this point. Yes. So really our job is not to get caught up in the destructive part, but to be really full and busy with the envisioning and actualizing of what are we creating. And I feel that the working with the, the plants, taking them into ourselves as medicine, as food, and as teachers helps us immeasurably in, in helping our health, our lives, our health on every level, you know, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and bring it out into our neighborhoods, our communities, our societies, mm. you know, and, and remember that we're working with the natural flow of things. Things align with love. They align with love because it is more in our true nature. And the plants are very loving and they help us to be ever more loving so that we can critique and refuse to participate and stand up, but we can also keep love in our hearts and vision of the healing of, of everyone. Thank you. I want to keep that as a, the word at the end, but I want also to open it uh, to you just for your closing, you know, if you have anything you want to share with people, but I wanted to, you know, take the time because you will be speaking last to, to thank you so deeply, Robin. I feel your heart. I feel your, your passion and your fierce warrior, not a warrior. I did say guardian, guardian. the guardian. fierce guardian that is there. Look, you already converted me. The fierce guardian that is there. Thank and you. yeah, I, I feel that, that that true passion that is present and, and, and the power that, that is definitely there. And I'm sure everybody tonight felt that. So thank you for everybody for joining. And I'm going to leave you for any closing words you want to share and sending everyone much blessing for this evening. 
Yes, thank you. And thank you for your work and, and what you do and facilitate. So beautiful uh, for following your, your path, your heart, and uh, to all of you for being here. And I do want to mention that I was very drawn to tomorrow night. Um, well, if you're listening by recording, maybe not, but for those of you still here, uh, Friday, April 30th, to offer a Beltane ritual, a celebration of pleasure and magic and link this pleasure to um, some spiritual activism for justice. And the spiritual activism part is focused on continuing some work I did with one class on um, doing some Green Witch ritual work to help reunite the families that have been separated at the border. Mm. So it's, it's, it's an perhaps unlikely combination, pleasure and justice, but I wanted to try. So we're going to do that tomorrow night. And uh, probably the best way to keep track of, of, you know, things that I have going on is through my newsletter that you could sign up for on my website, robinrosebennett.com. And I've got all the other stuff, the YouTube videos and Instagram and all that, all that good stuff. And, and, uh, and just to say, I've got, I'm working on some new books. I'm excited to share them uh, with the world. They're not out yet, but um, there's a novel coming out. There's a nonfiction book coming out and a book for young people. So very exciting. And uh, yeah, I know, I think we've, I think we've covered what needs to be said. You know what, we could just do one thing is just to take a breath together. Just breathing in. Breathing out. And I'd like you to imagine that in the center of our circles, if we were all in circle together, Maybe we're surrounded behind us by beautiful trees and under and all around are all the beautiful spring plants. And just imagine that center of the circle. And what I like to remind us is that the center of the circle is where the uniqueness that each one of us is meets the oneness that we create together. So I invite you to breathe the oneness in the center of our circle to feed and grow and strengthen the unique being the one and only you that you are, breathe it in. And then when we exhale, let's give away, gift to the center with an intention to grow unity, oneness, community, a community of true connection and caring. And as we say in my tradition, merry meet, merry part, and merry meet again. Blessed be. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. And Angel, thank you. You've been listening to The Sanctuary Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we're a source of talks about spirituality, personal transformation, energy healing, shamanism, and earth-based practices. For more, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. On the website, you can find out about our events, our retreats, healing offering, our spiritual blog, and you can also register for the newsletter. Again, visit thesanctuaryheal.com. Till next time, this is The Sanctuary Podcast, and Angel Deer signing off.